everyone, my name is Nicola Humphreys, you can refer to me as she, her, and I will be your host for the GDL podcast today. And today we are joined by a good friend of mine uh, and a fellow graduate, Jack. Jack, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience of GDL? Hello, uh, I'm Jack McPherson. Uh, I'm an associate content designer at Rockstar North, and uh, I'm he, him. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Thank you for being a part of the episode. So what before we start on our topic of conversation, I thought it'd be a nice way to get to know your get to for the audience to get to know you by having an icebreaker question. So my icebreaker question to you is if you had to be part of any video game universe, what would it be and why? That is a good question. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Final Fantasy Nine, uh, just because of the the environment, the setting, the characters, it's all just very out there, fantastical. And it, it's kind of like, for me, it's like the, the movie The Princess Bride, but in game form. <laughs> and yeah, that'd just be a blast, I think. To be fair, every game that comes out of Final Fantasy franchise is such a beautiful game. Pretty much a home run, yeah, for each one of these. Well, that's that's brilliant, and I feel like yeah, that's a that's a great choice. So yeah, our topic of conversation today will be a deep dive into our journey from being students studying game design to now being in the games industry. Because if because the audience that don't know, uh, we went to the same course together and we graduated at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll uh, uh, be going through applications, portfolios, interviews, and our onboarding process. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, we can always start with applications. So when it came with when it came to applying for your roles, when did you say you start you started to uh, send applications through? I started a little bit before graduation, just because you want to be like, all right, I'm going to leave the course with a job. <laughs> That's yeah. the dream, right? Uh, didn't work out that way. Uh, I think with a lot of graduates, there's going to be a, a steep learning curve. With a curve, curve, steep learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with um, yeah, how to kind of land that first role mm. and applications and you know portfolios and all of that. It's a it's a process. Yeah, I remember when just before we uh, graduated, I thought it would be a case of oh, I'll apply for a couple of interviews and then I'll go straight into a job after I finish graduating. And to go back to what you said, it felt like a learning curve at first. And then it did turn into a learning curve because then yeah. I realized what to do and what not to do when it came for applying for roles. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. Uh, kid, I said it better myself. <laughs> so um, how did you find the overall application process? Like, what did you find good and what did you find bad about it? Uh, I think there's a lot of common mistakes that graduates make uh, when kind of applying for those first roles. And uh, mm -hmm. one thing uh, is kind of, you're desperate for a job, so you want one, so you kind of apply for everything. <laughs> and your portfolio and CV and cover letter might not be suited for everything, so you're immediately going to get a lot of no's for the stuff that you just aren't ready for. Mm. Uh, I hear quite a lot, and this is just my personal opinion. <laughs> Uh, but um, a lot of people applying for like roles above junior <laughs> when now having been in the role like if you're new to the industry you're never going to get those roles <laughs> uh, they are there's a lot required of just a flat out regular designer let alone a junior yeah so you'd need a hell of a portfolio to back that up if you're just starting in the industry yeah yeah, I remember when we were applying as well that um, there was, like, when, when it came to industries replying back to my applications, they would often say, oh, we would like to see stuff that isn't your university work because mm. we want to see that you can do stuff outside of a time frame or just what, we, what you can do with your own brief. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I think having work outside of, you know, if you are a graduate, uh, I think you need work outside of the course because then it shows you aren't just willing to do the bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, it shows that you're genuinely interested in this and you've pursued this because you care about it, not because you want a grade. Yeah. 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 
uh, I, I noticed that you said uh, cover letters earlier. So when it came to cover letters, what is some advice that you would give to students or just people in general who are currently applying for positions and who are currently writing cover letters? Yeah, uh, so my cover letters went through a lot of different iterations. I think when I first graduated, it was very much a, uh, oh, I've made a few games and <laughs> I, uh, I love what you guys make, Ubisoft or whatever company I'm applying for. And it's very, comes across as super disingenuous and like, mm. I just want a job. Uh, I think the main things you want to hit with a portfolio uh, is your experience as a game maker. Uh, like, what have you done? <laughs> Uh, talk about it talk about what you've learned um why you think you'd be good for their kind of company like do a bit of research on them like mm -hmm. say don't just be a fanboy so i want to join you guys because you do this super well like yeah i don't know say it's um ninja theory and you'd be like you guys have a really great way of tying narrative with melee combat together and i love that yeah <laughs> i mean that that's that's a great example <laughs> yeah because yeah, um... so yeah, sorry, go on. No, just essentially, like, uh, you want to show them that you're invested in them, not just a fan, because they, they have lots of fans. They're not after, they're, it's a plus if you're a fan of the work you're making, of course, but that isn't the requirement to do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like, um, I remember my first few cover letters, I would essentially fan over that company to be like, oh, I love this game, this character's great, like, the... The narrative behind these games are awesome but i would never actually fan over the position that i'm applying for in that company it would just be like oh this game is great and everyone loves it including me <laughs> i think also just highlighting where your skill sets are yes. like uh, i'm familiar with x game engine because mm. if you're if you can just say that oh i can use unreal Engineity, that immediately makes you more kind of approachable than someone who isn't talented in one of those so yeah just every little skill that you've gathered probably has some use in your cover letter yeah uh, yeah exactly and um even if you're not applying for roles that you think would would suit mentioning uh unreal or unity for example it's still good to write down because i've noticed that in some roles even if they're 3d artist roles it's there's always an optional tab that says, oh, it would be great if you knew how to use these engines. So mm. even if you're writing a cover letter to be a programmer or something, it's always good to note down the skills that you do have because you never know when they might come in. Also kind of just uh, speaking about experience with those engines, like uh, I, I'm pretty well versed with Unity at this point, uh, but Unreal, uh, I, I think that the term I learned for it was uh, my working experience with an engine. Yeah. So I'm learning an engine, essentially, but working experience kind of says that I've got some experience. I haven't just started, but I'm, I'm getting to grips with this, which, yeah. again, shows that you're willing to learn something new. So mm. if, if it's a junior role, it might be a case of, well, we can have someone go over the core things with you. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And like with junior positions, it's always about learning. So even just mm. writing stuff in the cover letter, even like a footnote that says, Oh, and I'm always up for learning anything, like anything you throw my way. I feel like that's always a good sign for employers to say like, oh, even if they don't know how to use Photoshop, for example, we could always teach them. True. And I, just hitting on what you said there, um, I think showing that you have a willingness to learn, even though you've finished like uni, mm -hmm. uh, you should always be trying to better yourself. <laughs> Because oh, sure. the, pe the people above you are, uh, the people below you are, like everyone's trying to improve themselves in some way. Mm. So the fact that you can showcase, well, I'm still on this journey mm. and I just want to go on that journey with you. Uh, I think that really helps your other applications. Yeah, yeah. And it just goes to the saying, like you learn something new every day, whether it's like you learn how to spell a new word or like you learn a new engine. Like the fact that you learn something is always a great thing. Yeah. You know, I think one of the requirements for my role was, uh, it wasn't a requirement, but it's like, if you know visual scripting, that'd be great. And uh, I have a little bit uh, mm. since finishing uni, like uh, I saw in a lot of job roles, and this is kind of just helpful advice for anyone who's just been learning programming. Uh, if you want to be a designer, uh, it's not a code heavy role. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it is a lot of documentation and the prototype side of it normally is going to be visual scripting. 
because they don't want you touching world code. Yeah. <laughs> uh, visual scripting is node-based, so you can't really screw it up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just kind of dipping your toe in those kind of pools, uh, super handy. And it just opens up the job pool for you because then you can apply for roles that require that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, even just sending them to open applications is, is yeah. a great way as well. 100%, yeah. Mm. I, I sent so many open applications <laughs> uh, for just design roles. I got a few good responses, uh, nothing, you know, concrete. Mm. I landed it eventually. <laughs> That's the important part. And would you say that people should write open application cover letters separate to specialized roles, such as like a game designer or a 3D artist? Yeah, I think um, every cover letter should be unique because mm -hmm. you know every studio is different. Sure. Uh, you're, they're going to be making different games regardless of who you apply for. They're going to approach it in a different way and they're going to have different values at each studio. So definitely tailor your cover letters to everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. And with a with an open application, it, it wouldn't hurt just because you're, you're saying, well, do you have a job? Like, just I, w I would probably tailor it towards the kind of job you want. Yeah. Uh, better than just saying, hey, give me a job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really talented in all these things. <laughs> uh, pick one for me. Because every company wants someone who is driven towards their field. Uh, it doesn't help you if you see, like, say, splash damage for hiring. They have 10 open vacancies. Don't apply for them all. No. <laughs> Just apply for the ones that you can actually do. And uh, you'll you'll come across better because they might notice this. Mm. And then you're all of a sudden not going to be considered because they just know you just want a job and you don't want that job. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's, fair. It's important to, you know, aim where you're going. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's totally understandable. And yeah, like like you said, you shouldn't really be applying for everything, even if like you think it's a good idea because yeah, it might come across that you're not too needy as such but it just a little bit um what's the word just a little bit too eager <laughs> yeah uh, needy kind of crosses that as well yeah. I, think. <laughs> I need a job and to be fair like i get the feeling of wanting to do that because mm -hmm. you want a job when you're finished you spend x amount of years studying for this of course mm -hmm. you want it <laughs> you just have to be smart about it <laughs> For sure, yeah, and I even found myself sometimes when writing cover letters for applications or just like writing the applications themselves, just doing a copy and paste template and then replacing the the job title with another job title or the company with a different company. And it wasn't until that I started to customise them to specific roles and really think about what I was writing that I started to get more responses. Some information is going to like, yeah, as you said, like it it's a lot of people copy paste mm. it's like okay here is my studio 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 and it's all the same it's just different names and you know, different sign-offs but um a lot of people you can have some transferable information between oh, those sure, because yeah. you know uh, the way you approach design should be that shouldn't change depending <laughs> on the studio you're working for mm. that should just be this is how i approach work as a designer don't lie about that stuff <laughs> uh yeah, just, uh, yeah, some information is transferable, but as Nick said, uh, it's going to come across. Uh, they've probably seen so many copy-paste cover letters by now that mm -hmm. they can kind of tell. Uh, even if you think they can't, they probably can. Like, recruitment are savvy. Yes. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't try and lie your way into a role. No, no, that's... that's um... That's one way to get a role that you're not necessarily suited for. And like I've been, like a, a, a phrase has been passed down to me through generation that says, if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. And I feel like if you apply for a role that you don't want to be a part of, it's very, it definitely turns into like a, a job at that point that you're yeah. not really into. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, they're going to tell that you just wanted a job as soon as, like if you got in, and you weren't actually like on the same level as everyone else there. They're going to see that oh, and sure. maybe reconsider what they've done. Mm. But I guess that's where like things such as um, probation comes in as well. Yeah, probation like is 
kind of scary at first because <laughs> uh, uh, you're just like oh i'm not i'm in but i'm not in in <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so you're you're like treading on eggshells trying to be perfect every single day mm. but yeah. uh i mean the company does tend to take that pressure off though like uh you settling i've settled in quite quickly to my role mm. uh so I, I can't speak for everyone else but um i yeah my team was super welcoming and nice and i have all the support i need which is just perfect <laughs> so very happy at my day-to-day <laughs> Well, yeah, that, that's brilliant to hear. And uh, likewise with my role as well. Like, it was super intimidating at first when I did get the final yeah. yes, you're in to the Shark Mob crew. Um, but it was terrifying when you first put butt to chair inside the office and you're like, oh no, how do I interact with people that I yeah, don't know? Yeah. It's just, you get like a massive wave of imposter syndrome immediately. <laughs> you're just like, oh my God, I'm here. What am I doing? <laughs> Why did they let me in here? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I hope it's like, yeah, well, strange. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you calm down and you're just like, all right, cool. Let's get after it. Yeah. Like I even remember on my first day, I was like, what do I wear? <laughs> what do I wear where I don't look like a strange person, but then I can still fit into everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, thankfully, like I'm, I'm working remote currently. Mm. So meeting my team remote as well is a bit strange. Because I'm gonna meet them, I think around June time is when the office opens. I think. Uh, <laughs> That's but that, it was it was strange meeting them online and then just being like, okay, this is my first impression in a tiny square <laughs> 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 where I can't shake anyone's hand or <laughs> yeah, it was, it was odd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because I remember when I first joined as well, it was it was fully remote because that's when like the peak of the pandemic was because. Um, when we graduated we were also in the pandemic so we sort of had some experience with working in a pandemic um, or like work from home situation so that really helped with just introducing myself because then um, I knew how everything was set up I could access any thing that they sent my way and um, if they ever wanted to look at like pieces that I made before that weren't like to do with my university projects I could easily access them but like look i made this i swear i'm cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh kind of showing off my portfolio wasn't as hard as i thought it would be thankfully because of websites like itch and you can just get a direct link to it for like your portfolio and stuff like that so it's very easy to show off what you've done mm. uh, over a zoom call it might be harder to be honest when you're doing it in person because you have to be like do you have a computer available? Yeah, or it's like, here's a USB <laughs> with all my work, please yeah. look at it. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. A... Sorry. No, that, that's just <laughs> But, um, yeah, speaking of a portfolio, um, we've even worked on a handful of game jams before, even before we got our positions and having our foot in the games industry. How important do you find game jams when showing your portfolio off to potential employers i think they are like as much as people say like oh you should do game jams like i do game jams <laughs> don't should do do them oh, for they sure. are an amazing example of showcasing your experience like a there is an example of working to a deadline mm -hmm. working to a brief which is super important in your job role because you're not making your games, you're making what's given to you. <laughs> so uh, it's super important to get used to that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also, it showcases your development as a game maker. Like uh, if you can show your the first game jam you entered and you've done 30 so, or so, like, uh, your 30th hopefully is really nice and <laughs> cool and well-designed. Uh, so it's a great way to also just showcase your kind of, oh, I spent this game jam learning how to do this mechanic hmm. and here's what i learned from that and not every game jam has to be a home run no <laughs> like, uh, I've, I've done plenty where um i'm just like this is never going to see the light of day <laughs> <laughs> this is this visually looks okay but it plays like garbage i got one thing right <laughs> uh and but that's okay because i still learned something from those things so. yeah yeah and i feel like game jams are such a learning experience and a learning curve that doing them 
whether they're to show off to future employers or not is a great way for people to learn just how they can work to, to tight deadlines as well as like learning new mechanics as well yeah also working in a team like mm. we've worked together on plenty of things and we kind of figured out a good rhythm <laughs> for like assigning roles and like picking things we're confident of doing mm. and uh, kind of you learned how to delegate tasks to each other quite well and people are going to be giving you tasks to do all the time in your role so yeah. it's good when someone's like oh can you do this and if you're capable of going yeah i can turn this around in i mean with a game jam of course it's a much tighter deadline <laughs> it's like can you do this in two hours <laughs> where in a, at work it might be like i need this before the end of the day <laughs> yeah which is a lot more forgiving <laughs> yeah because like starting from our first project that we worked on like game jam wise to the lot to the latest one um just overall our design skills and our uh, punctuality skills and our organization skills have heavily improved because we've learned stuff learned to use stuff such as trello spreadsheets and um, even using Discord as a way of communicating to one another and like essentially having our team meetings, <laughs> but within yeah. two days. <laughs> yeah, it's really, that's it actually really fun. I remember um, when we were working with uh, Jack Roper and uh, he wanted to know what I meant for picking up objects in like certain locations. And I pulled up a whiteboard in Discord <laughs> and I just drew it for him. And he's like, oh, I got it. <laughs> it's just like, and that was some really nice fast-paced problem solving. Yeah. Which you're not going to get when you're just working slowly by yourself on a project. <laughs> so yeah. collaborate as much as you can as well, I guess, is one of the things I would say. It's also great to just work with other people because you can learn new things. You can see awesome stuff get made. <laughs> which always feels great. <laughs> yeah, and there's plenty of Discord servers as well that I am a part of and um, are encouraged to join, such as um, the Brackies Discord and the um, the Ludendari Discord, where you can join groups of strangers uh, so you can sort of get that experience of talking to people that you haven't met before, but you can still learn to work with strangers who would, who would then eventually become friends and, and, work, and co-workers. Yeah, uh, one of the kind of one of my favorite go-to discords is uh intergames oh yeah uh they're uh I, I don't know they are a company uh, but it's <laughs> a, like a super active discord community where they organize talks with industry people uh game jams mm -hmm. uh, and they do these really cool things which is great for graduates where they have a weekly design brief where they set challenges that you can do uh and there's like narrative stuff, art stuff. Uh, sometimes I have wildcard stuff where it's like prototype something. It's really, really cool. Mm. And uh, I definitely suggest giving them a shot because they do like a careers fair. Uh, I got a lot of great advice when I was on the job hunt just from attending their events. So I would definitely suggest looking them up. Yeah, and it's also uh, like platforms like that where you can also have portfolio checks from people who are already in the industry so you can see what you're doing correctly and what could always yeah. be done to improve your portfolio as well which definitely helped me like i had portfolio pit they called it portfolio pit stop at mm -hmm. the event one of the events i attended and uh, i also just had friends who were in the industry because one of the most important things you'll learn hopefully over your course is networking mm. and meeting people in the industry <laughs> and hopefully you can build a good enough back and forth uh with some people that you can be like hey here's my cover letter here's my portfolio is it garbage <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hopefully it isn't but uh if it is it's great to have a professional set of eyes give it the once over so yeah and like one key thing that i would even put forward as some advice um would be the documentation side of portfolio because that's one thing that um i wasn't aware of when i first started the course but then that's mm. one thing i really really worked on um throughout our three years of education um and that was the one thing that like with studios they said this this bit of your portfolio is great you just need to improve anything that like all aspects that aren't documentation yeah kind of uh kind of the reverse for me <laughs> my <laughs> documentation wasn't great uh, it, it was possible, definitely. But uh, one thing I learned, probably at like 
don't know, a quarter of my way out, out of uni was uh, after having a few people look over my documentation. I completely revisited everything I'd ever done and I gave it an overhaul essentially from everything I'd been told and learned. And uh, actually when I applied for Shark Mob, <laughs> which is where you were, <laughs> uh, they gave me some super health, helpful documents, uh, mm. which I used to, you know, re-envision my documentation and it went from good to great. Like I'm not saying my documents were bad at all, but like they weren't of the caliber they could have been. And, mm. you know, just putting in that extra level of effort turn things around for me so quickly yeah so yeah, documentation so important especially for a design role like you can't be a designer and have zero documentation <laughs> you won't get a role no it really becomes a throwback to like old like english classes where they say like why do you think the author wrote that the that specific curtain was red and <laughs> at, at that time you're like i don't know maybe he just likes the color red but then when you start making documentation to be like, oh, maybe it's red because it wants to indicate danger or like that there's a, a bad guy covered in blood the other side or something like that. It, it really, really helps. <laughs> yeah, 110%. I like that is an amazing metaphor, which I'm going to steal. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. So there you um, go, if my English teacher is listening, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100% agree with that. Uh, just cracking on with the documentation as much mm. as you can. Uh, and consider things like that, actually. Like, a lot of documentation is why. <laughs> mm. Why this? Why that? And uh, being able to justify it. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. And, yeah. like, being able to justify it as well really helps with when you go into the interview process. So then when interviewers then ask, like, what, what was your decision on making the player walk with the arrow keys instead of WASD, then you can explain why you went through that process because you'll already have that information. True. And then like you can you can say it confidently. <laughs> like uh there's a lot of stuff where you kind of go into an interview position and you're like scared of what to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, even if you're prepared, you're just like, oh what do I do? But if you have the documentation there that is solid, uh you've got the evidence you don't need to be worried because you can confidently say why you made design choices you made mm. and uh, hopefully the game was good enough that they all paid off and it was great design <laughs> yeah exactly and like even if it's not to do with design like um just documenting stuff like why you chose to do a certain angle on a 3d project um if you're applying for a 3d role as well um, you could then link back to all the documentation that you've done. It doesn't have to necessarily be for design, just um, just as long as you write down why you chose the the things that you chose. <laughs> True. I mean, there's a lot of ways into the industry. Uh, a few, like QA is a tried and true route into yes. it. And it is it's the backbone of game development. It's <laughs> how games aren't bad <laughs> by getting them, by having people play them and test them and point out what is and isn't working. So QA, super valid way into the industry. Mm -hmm. Very rewarding as well, because you're the reason games are good. <laughs> uh, also, just throughout your time in being a student, uh, you're going to learn things that are relevant to parts like production because you have to plan and manage your time to meet deadlines and you have to figure out the resources you need and how to use those resources well. Uh, maybe you have limited resources. Uh, all those things are super valuable when uh, like looking into production kind of work. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the things you're learning and have learned are, you know, they can go in a lot of different directions. Your career is a malleable, changeable thing, and you don't have to stick to one route. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And even when making games just on the side through game jams, you might discover that you prefer being a programmer than a designer. So then you could use that to your advantage when it comes to making portfolio pieces to say like, oh, I might have studied this, but I found out that I really enjoyed doing this instead. 100%, yeah. And kind of just showing that transition as well is a great skill to have. Like mm -hmm. I say, you did go into programming, but you started with a design mindset. Like that's going to make it a lot easier to understand a designer's work when it's past you. Yes. <laughs> uh, to building systems. So yeah, like you're building bridges between these departments and it's super handy. <laughs> 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and that also comes well uh, with like interview processes because then you know that when it comes to talking to a different um, like field within that company, then you know or you already know where they're coming from and the terminology that they use. Yeah, couldn't agree more. <laughs> interviews are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but speaking of interviews, um, we. Well, everyone has interviews and the first one is always terrifying. <laughs> like I've been through quite a few and um, it's fair to say that I've been like twitching my knee or twiddling my thumbs from nerves. <laughs> but then how would you come, overcome nerves when you, when you did your first interviews? Uh, thankfully, uh, I wasn't I, like, I'm nervous before the interview, but <laughs> when I'm in it, I, I'm okay at managing my nerves. <laughs> uh, I think one thing that helps with that is practicing public speaking, uh, getting used to talking to a lot of people, a crowd, or just, just publicly voicing <laughs> yourself and having attention on you. Uh, it's a super handy way of dealing with uh, yeah, post or pre-interview nerves. And also, I remember one thing that we were taught at uni, where it's like, uh, how you pose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's like a Superman pose, which is like <laughs> meant to make you feel more confident. If you stand up and put your hands on your hips and just stand where you do actually feel it a bit. At least I did. <laughs> and I would do that when doing public speaking. And I probably looked weird. Like, who is this man standing like this? <laughs> but it, it helps. And, uh, you know, use it. Use whatever helps, whatever gets you through. Definitely. Uh, and, like, I've, I've heard stuff from that, even just from. Uh, like TV shows, I remember watching Westfield and they sort of ran you through body language at some point in the episode and it was like, oh, if you're like shrugged over with your shoulders and you've got your hands in front of your stomach, it sort of shows that you're not super comfortable with that moment at the time and um, you're not willing to give and take with new conversations and new people, whereas if you had like your hands on your hips or behind your back, you're, you look more open uh, for conversations yeah. and, and new people. I'd agree with that, yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Westworld West is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, just do everything you can to make yourself feel more comfortable. Mm. Uh, like, I remember you said you like twitched with your fingers. You just had something in your hands yes. to kind of direct that energy away. <laughs> Which, you know, if it works for you, it works. And uh, just, you know, don't be afraid to just try like you, the worst case scenario is nothing changes <laughs> that is literally the worst case scenario and uh and you're gonna get lots of opportunities and that's the great thing <laughs> like this isn't a one and done career <laughs> this no. is a, every interview is a chance to either nail it or learn something yeah and uh if, as long as you're open to learning which you should be <laughs> uh you'll you'll do great it's just a matter of time Definitely. And one thing that I I even found out as well, like going back to when you were talking about joining communities, like going to meetups or having Discord calls within a community within the games industry is a good way to meet people that you don't know and sort of improve your communication skills as a whole. Yeah, I remember we went to a few events during uni. There was a bonus stage yep. in London, which was really great because we got to meet a lot of super talented devs. Mm -hmm. And we met the guys who were making Disco Elysium way before it was released great game so that was that was yeah love, i love that game so much <laughs> but uh, but that was really cool just meeting them and chatting to them and uh just going to events like that and kind of just hey can i talk to you about this game you're working on <laughs> like uh not in an intrusive break your nda way but uh like if it's on display there at the show you know, they're allowed to talk about it yeah <laughs> so i so don't feel afraid about that kind of stuff uh, one event I went to, and it was in preparation for my thesis, uh, I went to an event called uh, Adventure X, or Adventure Expo, and that's also in London. Uh, during COVID, they did, you know, shut it down for game jams, but before COVID, it was this amazing kind of massive expo on narrative games, point-and-click adventures, and experimental narrative games, which were really cool, and they had a lot of amazing speakers there, and uh, I met so many lovely wonderful people there and i only learned about that at a, at a gaming event 
where I was just like, oh, I'd love to speak to some narrative people. I'm like, have you, why didn't you go to Adventure X? I was like, what's Adventure X? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> and uh, they told me, and I was like, well, I have to go. And I did, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and even like events that are, are larger as well, you can go to such as like EGX, because that always happens yeah. twice a year. And that's always great fun because then you can also listen to other speakers as well as talk about people who've just released new indie games. Yeah. And they're just like, the one thing you'll find about the kind of the gaming industry, uh, people can often be so welcoming and just nice and polite. As long as you are bringing that energy to the table, <laughs> people will be nothing but nice to you. <laughs> so uh, just, just go in there smiles from bright eyed <laughs> and uh and talk to some people because they don't bite <laughs> no, no normally they're lovely <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and um you can always practice like interview questions there so you can always ask them like oh if i was to join your company uh mm -hmm. through a design role or an art role what kind of questions would i expect in an interview process and i feel like that's always something that you could then practice and then sort of figure out an answer for when you do come across an interview at a later date yeah 20 percent. like a, a lot of it is to do with just opportunities mm. and uh you're only going to get the ones that you look for so you know look and go to as many as you can and uh a lot of what you gain from the games industry is what you put in <laughs> yes so you've got to be willing to go out there and shake hands and just uh yeah get stuck in yeah exactly and it's always just it's always good to just meet new people as well because even though it can be daunting because the like gamers and game developers are always seen as people who are just like behind closed curtains but once we actually go to events and meet people in other like workforces and other people who are in the games industry it's it's a very lovely and wholesome community yeah um but yeah i remember one of the questions that i had when it came to the interview process that i feel like wasn't mentioned too much when we were in university but really came up with the interview process was um how would you improve a previous project that you had worked on and like is there a feature that you could change okay that's a great one uh, yeah. i think a question i got asked a lot was uh how do you deal with kind of how do i phrase this well because they phrased <laughs> it really well <laughs> it was talking about like cussing features essentially like how do you make sure something comes out on time and you don't spend too much time on a single thing <laughs> and uh, a lot of it is about time management and not being too precious and yep. the most important thing is keeping what the game is trying to achieve at the forefront of what you're trying to do uh one thing we learned in year two was a uh, the north star kind of thing where you have what is the game what do you want the game to say mm -hmm. <laughs> and i always keep that in my head <laughs> whenever i make anything i was like is this in service of our north star if it isn't it can go <laughs> yeah uh, if it is, then it deserves my time <laughs> and that got me quite a few kind of oh which could be terrible or could be amazing. It's very hard to tell in an interview scenario when you just go, hmm. <laughs> yeah, the hmms and the neutral faces are, are, are very. That was, <laughs> that was either very insightful or very stupid. <laughs> it's like um, when watching the Bake Off and poor Hollywood just eats a cake and goes, hmm, and just walks on. It's like, that could mean anything. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, just you know, speak your mind at these things. Uh, think about your answers. Yes. Uh, don't blot out the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> uh, if you need to take your time uh, with a question during an interview, say, can I have a minute? I think that's absolutely fine. I did that at the interview that got me my role. Mm -hmm. uh, and it kind of just showed that I was taking the question seriously. Because <laughs> I think when you're thrown a curveball, don't just blur out the first thing that comes to your mind because mm. it could be very, very untrue and silly. <laughs> so, yeah, think about what you're about to say. Mm. Like one thing that I uh, tried to put into practice when going into my interview processes were 
when a question that would come up that I thought would be that I think is a curveball, I would often write that down to say, okay, if I was approached with this question in the future, how would I answer it? So then even if um, in that moment I say, oh, I just need to take a minute to think about a good answer, I could then write that answer down for future preferences if by any chance I didn't get that role that I was currently talking to. <laughs> That's, yeah, pretty solid way of looking at it, actually. I agree with that. Wish I had done that more. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah once you um got into the games industry like you like you have now and like you said um like once you got accepted into rockstar and the on onboarding process came to be uh what was it like during the pandemic and joining rockstar virtually that was a uh... I thought it was going to be way more awkward than it was, but it was actually fine. Uh, before I even started, I received a bunch of emails just saying, is there anything you need? <laughs> uh, and I did need things because I'm fresh out of uni and I didn't have all the uni's resources at hand. <laughs> so, yeah, I told them my kind of tech requirements, which they're happy to send my way. Um, <clears throat> any kind of future holiday, they're like, we'll honor any holiday you've got pre-booked. Uh, yeah, just kind of anything I needed uh, was very much they care. <laughs> they want to they wanna make sure I'm as comfortable as possible for when I join. And I've got everything I need. Uh, so it's, it was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it was nerve wracking, the kind of before the onboarding, where you're just like, are they going to offer me the role? Aren't they? <laughs> and then uh, you get that offer and everything changes and it's wonderful. You will all feel that one day, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I feel the fact that um, we did our last year of university working from home, I feel like that definitely eased the nerves slightly, uh, or at mm. least for me, because I feel like going into the office day one, I would have been absolutely terrified. <laughs> um, I, I haven't yet gone into my office, so I'm still a little nervous about that. But I'm, you know, I speak to my team every day. I know them. They know me. <laughs> So I'm, I'm looking forward to that part of it. But working from home uh, was, uh, I mean, the company has adapted to it super well. And I think a lot of the industry has, to be honest. Uh, I think a lot of people have realized, oh, you can do your job from home and you can trust people to do what they're paid to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, uh, like I said before, like when I was onboarding and went into the office, uh, it was interesting at first trying to set everything up. But I think because I had already onboarded virtually, it was a lot easier to set up my desktop and set up my workstation when I did go into the office. Yeah, I was sent uh, stuff that everything was pre-done. <laughs> so all I had to do was log on and open up the stuff I was using. <laughs> uh that's as much as I can say. <laughs> no worries. Going anywhere, I think. <laughs> Don't worry, there'll <laughs> be no NDA breaking. Trying to give as little breaking. detail as possible. Yeah. <laughs> just, it, we they, use things, things were sent. Work. <laughs> things. <laughs> we use things to do things. Mm -hmm. um, we'll just that's say. all I can say. <laughs> just feel like the NDA people knocking on the door, like, excuse me? <laughs> everything is redacted. <laughs> <laughs> you see a... Like a, a bar just come up above the But um yeah, do you have any advice to uh future employees of games industries um when it comes to onboarding? Like is there anything that they could do or um do you think they should have any questions prepared on their first day? Uh so with regards to what you should do, uh be honest about your technical setup. <laughs> Uh, it's not the time to be like, I have a great PC when it can't run, it can't run the stuff you need for work. <laughs> so, you know, uh, be honest about your technical setup. They will probably cover you on anything you need. Mm -hmm. um, be honest about any holiday you might have booked, uh, any help you might need at all. Uh, just tell HR. HR are so lovely <laughs> and they take care of you. <laughs> That's kind of, you know their thing and they take care of everyone so just make their job as easy as possible <laughs> and your life will be as easy as it can be 
No, yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting going into work and meeting, meeting HR, um, and everyone else as well. Cause, um, once you put, cause I feel like there's almost like a, a disconnect almost when you're talking to like a screen, but you know that there's a person behind there, but then that connection really becomes real once you join the office. I'm looking forward to that immensely. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen pictures of the office and all the everything we have in studio. Mm-hmm. It looks so cool, and I can't wait. Uh, yeah, it can't come soon enough. <laughs> I'm very excited for Edinburgh. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, and it's um it's always interesting as well when new people join the industries all the time and. Because we have quite a few friends as well from our year who have also joined the industry. So it's always interesting learning about their onboarding process and what they had to go through as well. Yeah, uh, a lot of it's very different everywhere you go, I think. Because <laughs> uh, I've never heard the same story twice. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's going to be unique to wherever you join. But they've already taken you in. You're you're in you're in the club. <laughs> uh, you don't need to worry so much at that point. Just uh, get settled and comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And uh, even though we are coming from uh, large company perspectives, I feel that even if you were becoming a part of indie companies or just small companies in general, I feel like they would be just as welcoming as the large companies like Sharpmob and Rockstar. Yeah, I mean, uh, indie devs uh, at studios of any size, really, when you're joining someone on this journey, this adventure (laughs) uh, of making something meaningful and cool, and that's going to reach a lot of hands, uh, they're always going to do their best to support you. (laughs) So (laughs) don't feel like you're being brought in to be set up. (laughs) Like uh, you're you're in good hands uh, most places you go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more as well. But um, yeah, we've essentially gone through the four different subtopics that we wanted to go through, <laughs> such as the interviews, portfolios, uh, uh, onboarding, and applications. That was it. <laughs> um, but is there anything else that you would recommend to students or other folk who are looking into getting into the games industry? Um. Yeah, I suppose one thing to keep in mind, and it's going to sound a bit nihilistic, uh, it is there's a lot of competition out there. (laughs) So don't feel bad about how much time it might be taking you. Uh, I'm 32, and I've just started my career. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, it takes as long as it takes, and you will find the job that is right for you. And how you get in that role uh, can be different to how me and Nick got our roles. It is a, a lot of this is about perseverance. Yeah. The only people who never make it in the industry are the people who aren't willing to learn and the people that give up. <laughs> uh, so as long as you keep learning and you keep at it, eventually you'll learn something. And the important thing about starting in the industry is getting your foot in the door. <laughs> yes. And there's a lot of departments where, you know, once you're in, it's malleable. You can move to different departments or maybe you'll fall in love with the role that you get Mm -hmm. uh just keep at it that's the important part and don't be afraid to pay it forward (laughs) uh help out anyone you can no yeah Yeah. i could i couldn't agree more like um that's the one thing i feel like uh isn't talking about too much when it comes to graduating like there isn't mention of how big the competition really is once you get your certificate and it's like off you go see you later (laughs) um like it can be really tough sometimes because i've even had it before where the employer has gotten back to me and saying oh we would have had you but the only other applicant that we wanted was able to say this particular line different or x thing is different x thing is different yeah one thing over (laughs) And you'll find that a lot when you get to the final stages of every role. Uh, at that point, they want to hire both of you or all three of you, but then they have to make that hard choice 
where it's like we can only have one so we have to find an excuse to say no yeah. <laughs> to the other two <laughs> which sucks because you know you know they want you uh but they can't have you <laughs> uh so just you know keep trying because eventually you're gonna tick all the boxes for one person and it's just about sticking at it yeah yeah i couldn't agree more and like at the end of the day it just does come down to experience and what you learn to make that experience better and mm. how you get yourself up from all the all the no's that you get or all the emails saying oh maybe you should apply next time or come back with a few months experience um yeah it's, it's yeah, i'm not gonna yeah. lie all those all those no's they do grind on you and they do hurt uh it's about how you can move past that mm. and keep at it uh you know because me and nick we made it eventually uh, so there's no reason you can't. No, oh, exactly. I uh, feel like we did it. Do it. <laughs> and yeah, it's just about what you put in. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if I, I feel like we have covered quite a lot in our topic of um, studying games to making games. Um, so with that, I would say that we can conclude this episode of the Game Dev London podcast. Um, I have been your host Nicola Humphreys and you can find me at Humphreys Media on Twitter um, and uh, yeah, a big thank you to Jack for being my guest today and uh, Jack where can people find you? Yeah uh, I am on Twitter uh, JackMCP uh, GamesDev Icon's a little beardy cartoon man <laughs> and you'll see me posting about stuff I'm working on personally and currently just Elden Ring pictures. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's that's mainly it. Yeah, I have uh, to Thank admit. you for having me. Oh, so no, much. of course not. Yeah, I, you've been a wonderful guest and it's been great talking to you and having a, lo a lovely catch-up. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. So. Speaking of game memes, I need to upload some Horizon memes. Sorry, I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, awesome. it, that, it's been brilliant. And yeah, thanks to everyone as well who's tuned in to make sure... Uh, to check out the Game Dev London. Uh, ah. Thanks to everyone who has tuned in. Sorry, I just mumbling words now. <laughs> Be sure to check out Game Dev London for all the latest updates. Otherwise, we'll see you here same time next week. Bye bye. <laughs>